Some movies are highbrow, some movies are lowbrow. Welcome to Highbrow Lowbrow. I'm Cooper Gagan. And I'm Josh Kirschenbaum. Each week we pick a theme and talk about two movies that fit that theme, one highbrow and one lowbrow, except for this week where we are doing a nobrow, which means we're going to have a couple entertainment and entertainment related topics for you guys to talk about. For yep. us to talk about. For us, I don't know for, why for you guys to talk about. I started so good on this intro which and I immediately fucked it up. I feel like normally I fuck it up because I get really defensive about the concept, but this time you just kind of went, you just kind of stumbled off the rails there. Yeah, I mean, it's just because, like, yeah, we're going to talk about what we're going to talk about. Yeah, talk deal, about stuff. deal with it. Yeah, <laughs> deal with it, audience. It's these are the ones where we don't talk about like two movies about a yeah. topic. Although this time we're talking about three movies yeah. that fit a topic. Yeah. Huh. Hmm. 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 This could be an episode. Oh no, but they're all they're all highbrow. They're all highbrow. I think. Yeah. But we're not really going in depth. I think. So the theme of the topic, the theme of the, <laughs> the topic. Of the Jesus topic. fucking. <laughs> we just finished a really long record for the episode that's coming out next week, so we're a little tired. Yeah. Uh, also, we're real dumb in the head. <laughs> yeah, no, this is not, like, this isn't our best day, but it's not far from our best day. <laughs> <laughs> we are talking about eating the rich. Yeah. We are ordering from the menu. We're ordering an onion, a glass onion from and the menu. Of, on, on the triangle of, of sadness. sadness. Those are the movies. So we have noticed... There are movies. That <laughs> End are... of story. We've noticed there's movies. <laughs> we've not- we've, we've and we're noticed. here to raise awareness about <laughs> have, it. Have you noticed? <laughs> yeah. Have you heard the good news? <laughs> have you heard the good news? There's movies. There's movies. <laughs> it's <laughs> like pictures, but a lot of them, and then it looks like they're moving. <laughs> it makes you think it's motion, but it's still just pictures. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I saw a train, and I screamed. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I read a thing that apparently, like... Um, Part of the reason that people screamed was that it, it didn't just start playing. Like, it, it, it they projected just a picture. Yeah. They didn't tell people it was going to move. So it was a still image that then came to life, and that was, like, an extra shock. Yeah. It's, those those Lumiere brothers. Oh, they fucking knew what they were doing. Uh, we're going to talk about rich people. Yeah. We're talking about there seems to be a, uh, a trend yep. of movies that are about uh, just how kind of out of touch and snobby rich people are and various satires of that. I think we're calling them Eat the Rich Movies. Makes sense. It's very much in the popular conscious right now. Yes. And we, we've got a few. We'll talk about them. I think spoiler-wise, we'll try and stay light. We'll we'll point out when we get into the spoilers. Yeah, we're going we'll, to spoil some stuff. Yeah, if you if the movies we're talking about are Glass Onion, uh, A Knives Out Mystery, um, The Menu. Also a Knives Out Mystery. And Triangle of Sadness. Also, also a Knives, Knives Out, Out mystery. mystery. Yeah, believe it or not. They're all Knives Out Mysteries. That Ryan Johnson, he works. Yeah. Hey, we're just going to give you a little warning here that we ended up doing more spoilers than we anticipated. Yeah, I think I was... My original idea would kind of like point them out when they came, but bottom line is uh, we we spoil all the movies. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to put in um, timestamps into the notes uh, for when we do the movie, when we do each conversation for each movie, if you want to listen in, if you don't give a shit, go ahead and let's do it all. Great. We were kind of talking. Let's start with the menu first. I think the menu very widely seen right now. Very people are kind of debating it a lot these days. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, and we've 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 talked about doing it for a while because you watched it in theaters or you watched it a while ago. I did see it in theaters. Yeah, yes. I saw it in theaters. I only saw it when it came to HBO Max. I had meant to see it in theaters. I'm planning a wedding. It's not my fault. Um, Could have, should have, would have, Josh. Yeah. Hey, shit. I saw. Uh, other movies. So as I'm not the theater guy. You're the theater guy normally. Right. Yeah. I'm like very, I've been really trying to get out and see more movies too. Yeah. Um, the menu, this, so th- you, this is your take, but I'm going to say it. 
<laughs> Damn it. <laughs> Unless you know what I'm going to say. I think I do, but go on. If you know. Is it that I'm tired of movies about fine dining where the thesis of the movie is that fine dining is stupid? Exactly. Yes. That is, I think, the at the absolute center of the And also about art in general. Yes. 100%. Like, like any form of high art, which I'll consider fine dining a form of high art, mm-hmm. that there's a lot of movies where like the third act turn, the solve, is that the character decides it's stupid and they won't engage with it and that makes them better than it because they're like a person, man of the people. Right. Or woman it's, of the people. It's the idea that because rich people like a thing, the thing is bad. Yes. Uh, and because it is like kind of highfalutin, like artistic, abstract, that it is like dumb and it is snobbish. Right. And so the Which men- it can be, but it's oh, not absolutely. always. Oh, yeah. absolutely. Yes. And I think it's not as if the high art worlds or fine dining worlds should be free from criticism or satire. I think they no. open themselves up to that, which is when you take a risk, you do that. Yeah. You open yourself up to I that. I think Pig was kind of a better a better takedown of the world of fine dining than the menu was, actually. I, I agree. I think, I think Pig had more on its mind in terms of really kind of grappling with that dichotomy. Because Pig also came from a place of like the main character was somebody who still respected food as an art form. Right. They just didn't like these, the kind of business of it. And in, in particular, the, I think we're talking about the scene in Pig where he's like dresses down that chef. Yes. He didn't feel like that's what that chef wanted to do. Yeah. It was not emotionally honest to that person. Yeah. Like if it, if it was, I don't think he would have minded, you know, like foam or bubbles or. Yeah. Cause it is funny. Cause in that scene in Pig, he is the guy's dream. The chef's he's like, he's telling a chef that basically what he's doing is, you know, dishonest and that it's not really what he felt because the guy said he wanted to open a pub, I believe. Right. His dream was to open up a classic style pub, which is funny because on paper, it sounds similar to the menu, which it, the thing part we're talking about the menu is where she, uh, Anya Taylor-Joy asked for a cheeseburger. Right. And she asked him to make the perfect cheeseburger and whatever. And that's like her, def- mm-hmm. like, it breaks his brain or whatever. Yeah. And um, it sounds, seems like they're similar on paper because they're both about how it sounds like they're both saying that the lowbrow non-artistic food is inherently better. Yeah. But yeah, you, like you just said, Nick Cage's character is just saying that it's not what you wanted. You're doing this because you're following the trend. Yeah. Whereas in the menu, that is 100% not what's happening. Like no. that chef it very much cares about food as an art form and is engaging with it in a meaningful way. And actually, this whole stunt he's doing is very meaningful, mm-hmm. even maybe more meaningful than the rest of the shit he's done through his career. Yeah. And she's just saying that fine dining is stupid. Right. So, and here's a. And that's sort of my, an issue I had with her character in the early parts of the movie. Yeah, when she says she's not full. Well, in general, when she's just sort of shit-talking the moment. Yeah. Like like the play of the sauces. I'm like, motherfucker, like, you're at a cool restaurant. Just, like, be on board. Right. I mean, like, like I, I, I made this comparison. I watched it with, with my fiancé, and I said, like, look, I'm not a huge Taylor Swift guy. My fiancé, huge Taylor Swift girl. Loves Taylor Swift. Okay. If she brought me to a Taylor Swift concert and I was not feeling it, like, I was not, like, really... Vi- and they were yeah, going nuts. you don't bitch I, about it the whole time. Right. I wouldn't, like, bring it down. Like, if Taylor Swift did, like, a... Wore a silly hat on stage, and everyone's like, "Whoa, what a cool hat. And I thought it was a silly hat. I wouldn't, like, in the moment be bitching about how, like, man, that silly hat's fucking dumb, and you're all dumb for liking her silly hat. Yeah. And I, <laughs> read the room on your Taylor Show. And also, okay, so this is... Especially since she is being paid to be there as a, like, sex worker or escort or whatever you want to call what she's doing. Yeah. Uh, it's She's literally just doing a bad job. 
Yes. Because she, when, if, like, okay, sure, if it's your girl, if you drag your girlfriend to something she doesn't like, maybe that's a little bit on you because you should know what they like and maybe you can experience it by yourself. Yeah. But also, like, it'd be nice if your partner kind of, like, met you halfway and, like, tried to like things you like. Yeah. But if you're paying someone <laughs> to come with you to a restaurant, they should just fucking act like they're into it. And that, I think, is what kind of kneecaps the menu. A menu movie I really liked, by the way. Yeah, I liked, really liked, I liked a lot of it. It's just like the third act didn't do it for me. But I don't mm-hmm. think that made the whole movie worthless to me. Right. What makes the menu uh, really interesting is that I think it is a really smart movie about anxiety. I think it's a really smart movie with anxiety that comes with being an artist. Mm-hmm. That Anxiety that comes with being an artist for a certain class. Yeah. Uh, and it, not just being an artist, an actual chef. I think it is specific to the, the culinary world. Yeah, yeah. I think if you see it as a takedown of the rich, it really falls apart. Uh, I don't yeah. think it's like a very effective. Uh, like if you believe that, like if you believe Anya Taylor Joy's entire, like that she is the heroine taking down these rich idiots. Right. I don't think that's like really tracks, and for a number of ways. Yeah, and even. Um, oh my god, I'm blanking on the. The the lead actor, uh, Ray Fiennes. Yeah, Ray, not the lead actor, the secondary actor, Nicholas Holt. Yeah, no, 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 no. Yeah, it is Ray Fiennes. Ray Fiennes. No, I, I just meant that. <laughs> on your, on your, on your, I would say Anya Taylor <laughs> Joy is the lead. lead. Yeah, Ray Fiennes is maybe the secondary lead. Yeah. Um, he kind of has some kind of take down the rich moments, but they're also like very shallow mm-hmm. and not. There's not really a lot there. It mostly boils down to like you're rich, so I'm going to kill you. Right. Uh, like with the. There's like the kind of like the like finance bros, right? And then and then there's like the rich couple who go to his restaurant a lot and are like actually patrons of his, yeah. And he just says like you don't appreciate this anymore because mm-hmm. you went there too much. And on that one, I'm like, I don't think you should punish these people. They're like actually like really on your they're trying, yeah. They're like actually very much are appreciating what you're doing. So I think that so each so he invites all these people to his island, his island restaurant, and yeah, each one based on like, Noma, is it? Well, Noma just closed too. I yeah, think. yeah. Uh, and each of them has like a, they're all like archetypes, different kind of rich yeah. people, different ways of doing art wrong yeah. is sort of the idea. And Which also, no way to do art wrong. Go exactly. fuck yourself. Yeah. Uh, you know, so you have Nicholas. The only, the only way, sorry, I'm sorry. Okay. No, no, go ahead. The only way to do it wrong is what Anya Taylor Joy is doing, which is to refuse to engage with it. <laughs> Continue. So you have like Nicholas Holt is like a bad fan. Yes. He's like someone who is into the idea of being into something without actually engaging with the stuff. Yes. Um, and I think that's all really interesting. I think his his character is really really interesting to watch He's and very fascinating and thematically really rich. Yeah, uh, the the couple I found also interesting just because the idea of so it's sort of like a similar angle of someone who like goes there because it's a status symbol but mm-hmm. is no longer engaging with the work. Yes. Um, so at least those are like ideas that worked for me. Like you know you, whether or not it makes sense in universe. Whatever. Sure. I'm vibing with it emotionally, thematically. Okay. The one I'm still really mad about is John Leguizamo. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, because he complains that he made a movie that was like just crowd pleasy. Yeah. And then the, he did the whole hamburger thing later. So, like, what I, the fuck? Exactly. Ray Fine says he went to go see, on his one day off in like years, he went to go see a movie. Yeah. It happened to be this one, this bad movie. You should read reviews. <laughs> right. That John Luguzamo happened to begin. He was like, I didn't like it. It made me feel bad about like art or whatever. Yeah. But what the movie does, John Luguzamo describes that movie as not very good, but the shoot was fun. Yeah. And that, I think, has value. Mm-hmm. The joy you find in making art. Sure. And yes. that is what this movie is explicitly about <laughs> fucking 20 minutes later yeah. when Ray Fiennes makes a fucking cheeseburger yeah. and he feels joy for a brief moment. Yes. And like that's what it's supposed to be about. That art is supposed to be about 
also the joy you have finding creating it, not just about the expectations, not just about the the fine art and the extra trappings of it. Yeah, and finding ways to kind of push yourself by changing your medium. And yeah. Yeah. So there is attention to the fine art, re- relatable art. Yes. You know, uh, fancy movies versus crowd pleasing movies. Some would, you, some would say that's what this entire show is about that we have. <laughs> exactly. And I think the movie kind of betrays a certain level of incoherence when it rips on John Lugazamo's character. Yeah. And I guess the question is do we think this movie believes that Ray Fiennes, in Ray Fiennes' take there, that the movie is explicitly like, you know, these are all the bad ways of art? Or is it a movie about someone who is deep into all these anxieties about art and it's exploring those anxieties? Yeah. I think one path is more defendable than the other. I, I think like the path that basically Ray Fiennes in like it is on purpose that he doesn't have a unified he doesn't have like a very coherent thesis as to why he's killing these people it's just like but then it kind of feels like he's just insane it's just that he's like a he's just gone nuts from the right. pressure of owning a restaurant and he's just killing people for no reason which is insanely uninteresting to me see i find it if if the reasons for doing it are interesting i find it like the fact that his stresses about art are interesting to me and his emotional like like i think greg finds really plays the pain of this man very well no, I, I do. Yeah, I think it's like I like the version of him that is actually, you know, kind of knows what he's doing and has clear, like at least in theory, clear cut reasons for it. I think it's just if the movie agrees with him, it's not as good a movie. That That's my take. If the yeah. movie is standing slightly apart from him, it's a yeah. little more interesting. But the movie and then the movie it definitely feels like it's on Anya Taylor-Joy's side, which is just like the only way to engage with high art is to just kind of be snarky and not engage with it. And have a fucking cheeseburger. Yeah, and it's get like leave when you want. It's like the Marvel bros who just tell whoever Scorsese that he's the fucking asshole. Yeah. Because and that their thing is good and he's just he's just like because you know, the idea a snob. But Scorsese's whole thing is that art should risk something. Yes. And that's what makes it interesting. That's what you get out of it. Yeah. Like beating up on that doesn't make you a hero. That makes you a bully. Yeah. And also like you don't have to like every single piece of art, but you, I think, in order to have a meaningful opinion, mm-hmm. you have to engage with it. You have to look at what it's doing and come to it, at least, at least starting off like buying into what it's trying to give you. Which she never does from the beginning. She just says like, "This is not a meal. These are a bunch of sauces." And he's like, "It's like motherfucker. You just explained to you what like the this like the concept to it, right?" So which which is why this is like this might take again menu. Four stars, Letterbox, good movie. Yeah, um, I think really good movie about art. Very mixed movie if you see it from the eat the rich angle. Yeah, which is interesting because I think a lot of the positive response online has been from people who are like really dig the whole eat the rich angle. Yeah, the whole like these rich people are so silly mm-hmm. stuff. Whereas that's the stuff that a little bit kneecaps the movie by taking the art element less seriously. Yeah, yeah, I think it is also just like a little bit of a symptom of. It's kind of like the same problem I or the same thing I run into a lot when I see people in movies who have like interesting lifestyles or interesting kind of interpersonal relationships. And then by the movie, by the end of the movie, the third act turn is that they always get kind of more normalized because they just need to change. It's the Hallmark Channel thing. Yeah. Yeah. Or yeah, it's like about a boy. Like this guy is like a bachelor. He's got mm-hmm. this like kind of life that he has planned out and he seems happy in it and then he has to change to become more normal just because characters have to change right yes and it's like this movie starts off like the premise of the movie is like okay we're going to Noma we're going to this crazy ass restaurant 
the way the only way it can change is to become less like the thing that is interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And it's so trying to tie it back, I guess, to the like the ether rich angle, the satire angle. Yeah. Um pour one out for Kobe. Yeah, pour one out for Kobe. <laughs> I'm, I'm Wait, is to, that happening the week after this? That's happening the week after this. Okay, yeah, so that's, sorry, a, call that's a call forward. That's a reference to an episode we've already recorded that is coming out next week. <laughs> that's a call forward. I, it might feel out in bad taste without the context. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we, in the moment, we were talking about Kobe Bryant. <laughs> and we actually were unironically having like a moment of silence. A little yeah. bit ironically. <laughs> okay, I guess that, okay, this is my thing. But here's my, my, my broader thesis that mm. I think is more in, is that I'm, I'm, I think we'll draw across all three movies is that if you are not careful making your movie about how stupid rich people are will take over it will flatten everything else in your movie okay. because it's a really easy dichotomy to build if you're not willing to dig into the guts of it it's very easy satire easy jokes right which let's get into uh, Glass Onion then yeah I think because I think Glass Onion is also very easy satire right so I I think as we go on these movies, the satire will become more precise. Yes. And I ending with Triangle of Sadness, which I think you like, I know you adore, I also really like. Triangle of Sadness is probably my second favorite movie of the last year, although I don't see a lot of new releases the year they come out, so my sample size is a little small. Number one, Everything Everywhere? Yeah. Yeah. By far. Yeah, it's also my number one. Mm-hmm. That's close between that and Fablemans, but it's probably everything I've ever at this mm, point. I did not care for the Fablemans. Yeah. But Glass Onion is my number three, which we've talked about. It's like one of the three five star reviews I've given this year. Really? Yeah. Oh, interesting. I'm like a hard medium. I one. know you're 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 very mixed, and, but anyway, <laughs> digging into the 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 satire, a of, hard medium of Glass <laughs> Onion. So, I think so. The menu is pretty surface level satire, but I think a really smart, really funny, really entertaining movie about art and about all these other yes. things. Um. Where so Glass Onion, like Knives Out, is about rich people. Yeah, we they leveled up the level of rich from the last movie. It's also about a different type of rich people. Yes. It's like season or not season uh, season one. The of first, Glass Onion. the first movie is more about kind of like that, like old money generational wealth. Yes, and this new one is about new money and kind of like you know tech wealth, like very quick. Like like people becoming very rich very fast and yeah. how that warps warps your perspective. Yeah, and it's like billionaire level wealth. Yes. It is own your own island. So we you're dealing with billionaire level wealth. You're talking about new wealth, influencer yeah. wealth, a mm-hmm. lot of wealth that's kind of built on like outward projection of strength. Yeah, and and a lot of a lot of wealth that is not only new money in the like in the classic sense of that it is people who have only had money for one generation. Yes. But it is also new money in that there are people who have made money in ways to make money that are new. Right. From the internet and from like new tech. Right. You Yeah. So yeah, you have uh, Dave Bautista, who's kind of like a, a I guess a like liver a, king, like yeah. Joe Rogan. Not, not really Rogan, but like a very like... It's like a men's rights activist yeah. kind of guy. Yeah. You have, um, I mean, obviously you have Edward Norton's character, Miles Braun, who like is... Elon Musk type. Uh, yeah, I want to dig into him because I think he's like, the must stuff feels like a happy accident. I think he's kind of a mix of a lot of different things. Yeah. But he, but he is like a new tech money. He, it made, they, they implied the money was somewhat involved in crypto. Like when you see the napkin, it says crypto on it and he made crypto for kids. Like they referenced that. I think that that was the second business venture after he initially. The napkin does say crypto on it. I'm I'm quite certain. That's that's a different napkin. There's, because there was the crypto kids app that they made that, um, Leslie Odom. It says crypto scalability on the original app, on the original crypto management, exponential growth, worldwide accessibility, diversification, crypto scalability on the original napkin. Oh, okay. Never mind then. Yeah. But like they're intentionally vague about what it is, but it is like, 
like a modern some thing. sort of yeah it's like a new company but it, it's like a little bit of google they're doing going into news mm-hmm. it's a little bit of like there's obviously yeah there's the Elon musk of it all like paypal and yeah yeah all right i'm sorry that i doubted you josh it's fine okay but he also does crypto for kids yeah just like that's funny that's funny yeah <laughs> very funny movie yeah um, but the satire, you're, you're making a broader point about kind of like the, the service level of it. Oh, I mean, yeah. I mean, I, again, a lot of it kind of just boiled down to like, look how dumb these rich people are. Yeah. And also kind of just like points that I've seen made, like, uh, like the, the end, I mean, I guess spoilers for the ending, but, um, yeah, like, actually skip ahead if you haven't seen, Best there's like the big reveal of Ed Norton's character is just that like, he doesn't know how to do anything. He just hires people who are smart mm-hmm. and like everything he says is just like kind of enigmatic, but it's actually dumb and it's just being interpreted by smarter people. Right. He constantly says words that aren't real words. Yeah. But like, I don't know the idea that like, yeah, people who are very rich are sometimes just like managerial is like not a, the far, I don't think it's really the gotcha that it makes itself out to be in this movie. Yeah. That's what, but that's something I found really interesting about the movie okay. is that it's willing. To, it, it sort of like acknowledges that, like, yeah. The, I'm, let me work backwards a little bit. Okay. In that, there's this whole discourse now of like, these people are so dumb. How does anyone look up to them? These people are so dumb. How does anyone get on their side? And Trump was a big part of that. Like, this guy's so dumb. How is everyone on his side? Yes. How do people keep defending him? Mm-hmm. And you see that with Musk now, with a lot of the Twitter stuff. Obviously, very different humans. Yeah. Not that different. <laughs> <laughs> what I like about Glass Onion, what I think it does very effectively, is that it both says, yes, Miles Braun is dumb. Mm-hmm. Like, in that, in the way we traditionally value intelligence. Yeah. But he is also very clever and very effective and very good at what he the thing that he does is. And the thing he does is like, manipulate people and make money. Yeah. He's he's tenacious and he is uh you know a good networker. He's just very good at with people. Yeah, and he has a very clear idea of what incentives are and where power actually is. Yeah. Right? So like there's this thing of like, you know, he did all these things wrong. He broke all these rules, he killed these people. Again, I told you spoilers are coming. Don't get mad at me. <laughs> um but he also, uh, but he, but so like you say, like, okay, like, you know, how do you get away with this? How are you going to do it? He never even bothers to think about that because mm-hmm. he knows all these people rely on him. They're the witnesses. They'll just lie for him. Yeah. You know, it's like, it's an understanding of what the incentives are that it doesn't actually matter. You don't need to be smart. You don't need to outthink people. You just need to have the money to have leverage on people. Yeah. And, and like, just to understand ba- in a basic sense how people work. Right. So like, I think the movie it's like very funny to be like, ha ha, he's so dumb. Mm-hmm. But I think if you're missing the fact that he's also a very effective villain, like him burning the napkin is, I think a really, really brilliant moment for that. Mm-hmm. Then I think you're kind of missing the, the specificity of like what the satire is supposed to be. Oh, okay. Um, that was at least my take. I found that really interesting. The whole like one, like basically all the other guys know he's dumb and they know he's an asshole, but they're like, yeah, my career is based on him. Yeah. I'll lose everything if I don't. Been. And that, that was the Trump of it all. People but- would be like, why, you, this guy's such an asshole, and you know he's so bad. Why are you on his side? It's like, well, if you're a Republican politician and you want to be a politician, you have to be on this guy's side. It's like it's a very basic incentive. Yeah, but then the funny thing is, like, the third act solve for that is like the burning of the Mona Lisa. Yeah, which I one billion percent don't believe would sink this guy's <laughs> career at all because I think that the average, I mean, the average American or America in aggregate is like pretty anti-intellectual and doesn't like hot fine art as. Sorry, a motorcycle just went by. Uh, That's so fucking cool. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I need I, I need a second to get rid of my boner. 
Um, uh, yeah, I mean, American aggregate is pretty anti-intellectual, mm-hmm. um, as you know, in, uh, as shown by you know the menu. Yeah, which is like people will respond to fine art by just saying it's stupid, and they like they like mm-hmm. seeing satire, in which is just like rewarding. It's telling them they're smart for not engaging with things and thinking it's stupid. Yeah. Uh, so I feel like a lot of people would kind of just see the Bernie and Mona Lisa and be like, eh, I, I, I've seen it, it sucked anyway. Uh, I think, I, I think if, if, if in the aftermath of the event of Glass Onion, there were probably a lot of people who don't, didn't give a shit that he burned the Mona Lisa. I think yeah, the I idea, feel like his fan base, like, right? But the idea is, it's not that the the problem isn't that the Mona he burned the Mona Lisa and therefore we don't like him anymore. Mm. It's that the Mona Lisa is so high profile that he won't be able to hide the defect of his fuel. That like the the you can't the oh, explosion like the note of the story will be that it was caused by the fuel right because the thing is his fuel is rolling out and he's keeping it a secret that it's dangerous uh-huh. that it can explode mm, okay and that by burning the Mona Lisa you ha- there has to be an investigation into that yeah right he wouldn't be able to hide that up and they don't cover that and then the other element to it that I like is whether or not that would go down like that yeah Janelle Monae does not need it to go down like that she needs to convince these six people. Yes. That it will go down like that. In effect, true. she learns the Miles Braun lesson, which oh, okay. is truth doesn't matter. Yeah. Convincing people to do things matters. Yeah. And that is sort of how these specific kind of effective, shitty, rich people gain power. Yeah. So that's, to me, I mean, look, your, your mileage may vary. I'm not saying my take is definitive. Yeah. But that was what I found. That's why I thought, to me, go the, the, the Glass Onion satire was a level up from the menu satire, mm. if that makes sense. Yeah. For me, they're kind of of a piece a little bit, but... Mm-hmm. Oh, there's a lot of very, very surface level shit, like the the robot in Glass Onion, and like all the little like new agey stuff in Glass Onion. Yeah, and then also it's just like maybe it's just a little bit of kind of fatigue for me, where it's I feel like we see we've seen a lot of satire mm-hmm. making fun of tech moguls and making fun of influencers and making fun of you know celebrities. It's just like I've seen it a lot. It's not really a new take that these people are bad. Yeah. Um, and again, it kind of just feels the same as like, it feels like the cheeseburger thing or just like, yep. we're, we're going to look at this thing and decide it's stupid. And that mm-hmm. is how, it, and we're going to refuse to engage with it. Like, I'd rather see something that's kind of more like, I mean, okay. If we're looking at specifically influencers. Yeah. So influencers like, okay, I'm not like, I don't love influencers. Right. <laughs> I, I personally like, there's a lot of influencers that I don't really like. I think it's like kind of often, I don't think it's inherently a bad medium because there's no bad medium, but there's a lot of influencers I find kind of dumb. And there are. In the movie, there are two or three. There's there's Dave Bautista, there's mm-hmm. Whiskey, and Kate, Kate Hudson's character is sort of unclear. She's more. She feels more like a like a, like like a Paris Hiltony, like a like a goop. Like yeah, a, like a goop kind of. So less influencer. So really, we're talking more about the the yeah. Whiskey and Bautista. Yeah. And um, so those are like those are archetypes that I find annoying in real life. But I feel like this movie is just telling us they're stupid. And it's not really engaging with like what how they actually function and what makes their jobs interesting and what they have to bring to the table in order to be successful at this job. Mm-hmm. It's just kind of casting this whole blanket over the whole thing. Like these guys are dumb. We don't have to care about what they do, mm-hmm. and we're going to feel s- like superior for just thinking they're dumb. Yeah. Whereas I think something like Ingrid Goes West is like a better examination of influencers in that it also makes them look silly and it satirizes them, but it also explores what they're doing on a more granular level that's mm-hmm. kind of more interesting. Interesting. I, I I think I have slightly inverse take, although I do like both Ingrid Goes West and Glass Onion. Mm. I think I responded a little more to Glass Onion, but I also just, I don't know, I fucking love Murder Mysteries. And like, I was like set up to love this movie. I, I, I really admit that. I went in, I was actually, I mean, I was a little, I was like very excited going to this movie because I really love 
Knives Out yeah. so much. And I really wanted to like Glass Onion more than I did. The thing I did like about Glass Onion was that for as much as it is willing to just take pretty cheap pot shots at all these different archetypes, mm. it does give them the credit of actually accomplishing the things that they're doing. For yes. the most for the most part. Like yeah. there is also obviously like, you know, the politician is like that one's tougher, political satire is tough and weird, but like, you know, she's she's bankrolled, but she did get elected. Yeah. You know. I mean, it kind of satirizes her the least a little bit. Right. Uh but like, you know, Dave Bautista, like he is, you know, making money. Like he is yeah. functioning as a like a, a successful influence. Like they are like and Kate Hudson, who is an idiot in this movie, like the yeah. dumbest person in she's the world. She's the Joey of this movie. Right. But she also like Made a really successful sweatpants operation, admittedly yeah. by not understanding what a sweatshop was. Yeah, that was very funny. <laughs> um, yeah, it's true. Like, and Dave Bautista, he actually is shown to be, you know, smarter than his images, and that he like knows to blackmail Ed Norton, right? Immediately, immediately. immediately. in a really subtle way. Yeah. yeah. So you know, yeah, you're right in that case. Yeah. So it's that was something I I appreciate, and I think that's what you need to do. Something that helps if you're going to do an Eat the Rich movie is to acknowledge that, like, they're not cartoons. Yeah. That, like, rich people, if you if you want to make the argument that, like, they're the things they do should not be worth the insane amount of power they have over the culture, mm-hmm. you do have to acknowledge they are they are manipulating the power, the incentives that exist. Yeah. And I think Glass and Onion does that pretty well. I think Triangle of Sadness, sort of, but that's not really what that movie's about. Yeah. That movie's more about kind of, like, the more micro situations. Yeah, it's about, like, power dynamics and yeah. how you build a society. Yeah. Yeah. Um, also, just want to shout out cool uh, something I liked about Glass Onion. Mm. Um, two flashbacks where you see Ed Norton's character, his yeah. costume choices. Uh, one of them, he is wearing the Steve Jobs. Okay. The, yeah. the turtleneck. Yeah. Which to me felt like a dig at Elizabeth Holmes, who was like also did that. And yeah. The, the, like also, very on purpose doing this. A lot of tech people do that because yeah. they think themselves as Steve Jobs. Mm-hmm. Like I don't think that was a dig at Steve Jobs. No. And the other time, he's wearing an identical uh, costume to. Uh, Tom Cruise's character in Magnolia. Oh, really? Yes, Frank T.J. Mackey. Have you seen the Magnolia? Uh-uh. He is like a like he's like a this movie came in '99. He's like a men's rights guy. He's like a very much huh. like pickup artist. Women are there to be controlled. Is like. that where he's wearing like a vest? Yeah, he's like a vest yeah. and a long hair. It is dead yeah. on fucking thread for thread. That, that very exact funny. very niche thing. So it it was one. It's a cool reference to a movie that's awesome. Yeah. Um, but and also just sort of t- it tips you off that this guy is just like a complete huckster who has power just because he convinces people he has power. Yeah, and like in universe, it's that he saw these things that he wanted to emulate and decided to just dress like it because that's the best he could do is to pretend that he has the thing. Exactly. Yeah, and I like that. Also, there's a little bit of the stuff about art in there. You know, like mm-hmm. his obsession with art is just that he wants to have it all. Yes. And not that he actually knows anything about it. Mm-hmm. Funny, I read a take online that he's meant to be Netflix. That like this is Ryan Johnson being like taking a dig at Netflix. Like, Netflix wants to buy all the property. Oh, but doesn't understand how to make good art. But huh. not my take, but it's fun. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that that's a very fun analysis of it. I I feel like I don't know if that was what Ryan Johnson was doing. Yeah, Ryan that, Johnson. Not my take, but yeah. it's fun. Yeah, I like it. Yeah. Uh, also, he's just very funny, Ed Norton, in this movie. Oh yeah, I very mean, he's good, good in everything. Yeah. Cast. It's a great cast. Yeah, there's there's a lot of celebrity cameos, which is another thing I kind of didn't love. Like Hugh Grant, Hugh Grant. and yeah. then like the Zoom call is on. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's just like it's like felt very kind of on the nose, like celebrity cameos for the sake of celebrity cameos, because that's like a fun thing we can do now. Yeah. I'm not sure how much it added to the movie thematically. Yeah. The Hugh Grant one feels like they could set up for because the, they're doing more movies. 
So that yeah. could, you know, that could come into play a little bit more. Yeah. Um, the, and then there's like this, the Serena Williams bit is very good. It's just like, that one's more funny because that's a kind of a surprise. Yeah. Oh, the other thing that kind of bothered me about, okay, so mm-hmm. actually I had a more concrete reason for the celebrity cameos bothering me a little bit. Yep. Is that uh, in the first movie, at least, Benoit Blanc feels like such this like weird anachronism. He is like a Agatha Christie character come to life and he, yeah, there's and a, everyone just like accepts it. There's a New Yorker article about him. That's the level of fame. Yeah. Yeah. And it's so, but like the existence of somebody like that, who like we know as people who live in the real world, there is no man like that. Right. right. So it feels like we were living in, you know, the Knives Out universe where Mm -hmm. like this guy exists. And then for the Knives Out universe to suddenly be our universe. Yeah. It just felt very jarring because I'm like, I know this guy doesn't exist. There's nobody really like this. It's not a thing in the real world, but it's very much placed in the real world. Yeah. And it's not, and like to place in the real world, you have to like, I feel like you... It makes it brings up questions of like how this affects the real world, what is different about the world because this guy is in it. Yeah. Um, whereas like if it's an else world or whatever, yeah. Um, <laughs> then I can kind of deal with it. I was like, okay, that things work a little bit differently in this fictional knives out universe. Yeah. Though I do like funny enough, the the thing that I did the choice of celebrities in the the Zoom call he had felt like those would be the kind of people he would hang out with. <laughs> like yeah. it's like Steven Sondheim and, and like Kareem Abdul Jabbar. Natasha Leone. Right, yeah, just yeah. like old New York people. Yeah. Who you just would have run into in those old New York parties. Yeah. <laughs> like, I think those are well calibrated. Yeah. <laughs> so here's a, I guess, talking about art, you know, we're talking yeah. about an art in the menu. Um, what was your read on the Mona Lisa being burnt? Again, I warned you there would be spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> in what way? Um, I've heard some people say, like, is the movie, say, like, saying it's a good thing that this happened? Is it like taking credit? Like the Mona Lisa doesn't matter, only like justice matters? Is it just sort of yes. like... I, I mean, that was actually something that kind of bothered me about the movie. I mean, not enough that I would write off the movie because of it, but mm-hmm. just like in the moment, I was just like, ugh, like it's not worth destroying the Mona Lisa to like maybe hurt the PR of this very wealthy man mm-hmm. because like it won't... But what if... What, for the for the thought experiment of sure. it, is it worth burning the Mona Lisa to catch a murderer? Like assuming like locked in... Like, like, press this button, burn the Mona Lisa, catch Miles Braun. Like, that's, I think, a more interesting... Uh, not worth it. it. Not worth it? No. <laughs> no. I mean, you can't, like... I don't know. I guess if we're existing in a world where you can just, like, burn stuff to solve murders, then you'll just end up with everything burnt. <laughs> there will be oh, nothing. I'm not, I am not positing that. No, I know. The I button know. has... It only works one once. Use, one, one use. One use button. They're not making it anymore. <laughs> yeah, I mean... I... <laughs> Is it the only way to solve the murder? It is the only way. <laughs> I feel like I keep, I want to keep the Mona Lisa. Okay, it's the only way to solve this murder. He may fuck up somewhere in the future and get caught, but you yeah. don't know. He's gotten pretty far. He's got a lot of money. Yeah, I, I think that, I don't know. I just, I, I, I like really respect art a lot. I feel like the Mona Lisa has, you know, if not like, it hasn't changed everybody's life if you've ever seen it, but it's changed the life of a lot of people a little bit over many, many years. And that's like a lot of value. Yeah, it's the, I, I agree that the Mona Lisa has a lot of value. And yeah. I, I think the thing Maybe about... Maybe more than Dave Bautista's character in this. <laughs> in this. Uh, I think what an interesting thing to debate about this movie is, is the movie saying that, like, yeah, who gives a shit about art when you can like one life? Or is it just asking you the question? You know, like, what does this movie think about art? What does it think about the Mona Lisa? What does it think about it? Is it saying, I'm sure there are people who are reading this as, yeah, fuck all art. The only thing that matters is, like, you know, immediate justice for things. Yeah, which I kind of think it feels like that's what this movie is because she kind of comes to, it feels like she comes to the conclusion to do this pretty quickly without very much, like, 
anxiety over it. Right. And then it takes a little bit for us to even really realize why she did it. Right. Like, it's not obvious. So at first it just seems like, oh, she burnt this thing mm-hmm. and that got them out of it because she just blew everything up. Right. And then she kind of has like the gotcha moment. Yeah, like that was the Mona Lisa, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. yeah. But then also I do think it matters that this is not a lock. Like this is not <laughs> this is not a button that will solve the murder. It is like a, you know, it's like basically a, her doing kind of a trying a negative PR campaign against him that it centers around burning the Mona Lisa, which may not work. It might not. I read it as I I, I saw that as like, yeah, probably got him. Like I would not like probably. <laughs> I don't know. You don't know. Maybe also maybe he just like strangles them all right there. Yeah, yeah no, but I mean, <laughs> but the word probably it's not a hundred percent. It what of eighty percent? Eighty percent he catch a guy. <laughs> <laughs> that's why I think it's fun. That's what. That's why when that happened, I'm like, that's kind of a neat way to end the movie because there is a common like philosophy thing of like, would you say it's the trolley problem with the Mona Lisa on yeah, one track and uh, and I don't know, one dead, person David Bautista's dead body on the other track. Like there's actually nothing really being saved. No, there is a philosophy thing of like, if a building was burning, you could only save like an old lady who's only going to live five more years or the, the Mona, Mona Lisa. Lisa. Right. And like, so that's often like that's a thing. That's quite tough. How do you like quantify like lives versus art? Yeah. Uh, so I, that's why I enjoyed that part. But I also think that if you're real, that scene is just, yeah, fuck art and fuck the rich. The only thing that matters is like getting getting one over on them. Then I think that is a less interesting. That just gets back to my point that if you if you only see it as a very basic us versus them class satire, yeah, that flattens your ability to read more interesting, yeah, things into art. Also, it does occur to me that it's not really just about justice for Dave. Just yeah. for Dave. Just it's, for Dave. It's, it's also about the Janelle potential. It, no, it's the potential people that could die from this product coming out. Also true. Which would be many people, in which case, yeah, I guess you got to fucking lose the Mona Lisa for that. <laughs> if like hundreds of people are going to die from explosions, yeah, yeah, although I would be upset about it. It's tough. Yeah. The Mona Lisa. And also, it's like his own goddamn fault for taking out the, the failsafe. I know. So stupid. <laughs> um, no, I mean, I, I, I think I see your point, and it's tough because I think the movie is, does not like very clearly come down on either side of like, yeah, that. it is happy that they caught the bad guy. Yeah. And it's, it's hard to say what the movie is like thinking because you know, it doesn't, it's not an actual man. It's not, it's not a thing. It's not thinking anything. It just exists. Right. It's not like a meme that explains itself at the bottom, but I do feel like it does have some anti intellectualism baked into it. I mean, there is the very basic, you know, like here's someone from a working class back da- background taking down these rich out of touch idiots. Like yeah. that is like very much a structure of this movie. Yeah. Um, and it has that element to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's nothing wrong with a little bit of hose the rich. Yeah. But if you got to eat them, <laughs> you, you got to cook them first. You got to cook them first. <laughs> um, uh, so that brings us. Oh, well, I, I no, you got say, more. Let's well, go. once I, th- this is going to be really nitpicking. It's not really That's, quite as on theme. That's why we're, we're here. Uh, I didn't love the double back in the oh, middle. Oh, the structure of it. The, yeah. Structurally, I didn't love the double back in the middle of Knives Out. Mm-hmm. I kind I know this is like not the movie, so I, it's not it, like it, this version never exists. But I kind of like the version where there isn't the twin, the Janelle Monae twin, that's coming back, and they're just it's just them two solving the mystery. Yeah. Um, I kind of feel like it didn't add anything for me. It created this extremely long expository scene mm-hmm. between Benoit Blanc and Janelle Monae. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe I should say Daniel Craig and Jean Monet. <laughs> yeah, we established Benoit. We established Benoit's real guy, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, it's tough because I, f- I actually forget Janelle Monet's character because there's like two of them. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Janelle Monet and uh, Benny Blanco. They have an extremely long Benny Benassi. Benny Benassi. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, it's a very long conversation. Very long conversation. And then also, I kind of just like feel like I don't love Janelle's acting as the sister as much. Mm-hmm. Uh, just it was a little broader, and mm-hmm. I just didn't. I'm not sure if I love the accent. Oh. It worked. For, it just felt like pretty similar to Benoit Blanc's accent. Just yeah. like a very hokey southern accent. That's so like, like it all kind of tracked for me. I'll concede that's like the least. My least of the problems with it really is just like a little bit bothered me, but. Yep. I don't know. I kind of felt like retreading it. We retreaded a lot of scenes in the movie that it didn't necessarily add a shitload to me. I will say I have the, when I was watching it at first, I was like, Oh, this is going to be like five minutes of recap. And then once I realized it was going to be longer, I kind of settled in. It was more fun. Mm -hmm. I've read it on rewatch. It plays a little better because we, when you're watching it in the moment, you keep expecting it to jump back in the moment. When you know, it's just sort of like, a backwards romp through the movie. It's kind of fun. Yeah. No, for uh, sure. But like, also, yeah, I mean, that's a fair point. I do think mystery movies do like, I enjoy watching them a lot better when I know what's going on yeah. on the second watch. Yeah. Cause you, just, you find a lot of stuff. You're like, just like, Oh, Hey, yeah. Like the whole that? thing with um, him handing the glass to, um, he hands the, the poison glass to Dave Batista. Yeah. And, um, yeah, he actually does like, you can see it in the, in the actual scene, he just hands it to him. But mm-hmm. like as an audience, because the flashback, they show you the wrong flashback. You just like kind of retcon it in your mind. Exactly. It's yeah. like very clever about the way that, you know, movies work. Yeah. Um, Triangle Sadness. Yeah. yeah. Great, great movie. Great movie. Uh, uh, the Balenciaga H&M bit is an all time great bit. Uh, Triangle Sadness uh, won. Um, it won the con- the Palm d'Or at Con last year. Cool. Uh, making Ruben Ostland one of very few two time Palm winners. He also won for the square. Nice. Uh, and then the next one is going to be the rhombus of disappointment. <laughs> He's going back to four sides. Oh, wait. Well, yeah. Oh, yeah. We're saying it should go down. So triangle. So it'd be, uh, would it would be like a, like a, like an a, angle. like a line. It's an angle. Oh, it's Two an sides, angle. Then a line. The line of, d- the line of disappointment. The line of disappointment. I didn't know triangles. Is triangle status a real term in the movie? It's like, it's like your part of your face. It's like your brow. Yeah, it's like your T zone. I, I, I when it, it's funny because like I when I saw the trailer, I assumed that it was like a Bermuda Triangle reference, and uh, that was my assumption. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then uh, they just say it. It's just the kind of like that's line line in the movie, and it's great. Yeah, uh, I think so. Triangle said it. Ruben Oslin did you know other these cringe movies like uh, uh, Force Force Majeure, oh, oh, wait. Square. My bet, my bet. Uh, he really missed an opportunity to call Force Majeure Black Diamond. Oh, right. Yeah. Because it would have been skiing. another shape. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Triangle Sadness is like weird because on the one hand, it does have a lot of like, look at these dumb rich people. Moments. Yes. Like a lot. Like a lot. Yeah. Of, like, I wouldn't say they're like as uh, broad as some of the stuff in these other movies, but they are very much like the whole point of the scene is just look at these idiots. Yeah. Uh, it's also very funny. And it also, I think it's very smart, especially in the first and last acts about like kind of like people mm-hmm. uh especially carl the, the 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 dumb model yeah i like i like carl <laughs> i mean carl kind of sucks but right, i like yeah. the character carl yeah um the triangle stand is like three acts yeah and i'll i will we were talking about this the other night where the movie's very long and the three acts kind of uh some of them function kind of independently of each other yeah. i feel like this kind of could have been two movies where i feel like there kind of could have been almost like a malcolm marie or my general Andre style, very insanely contained drama about Carl and his girlfriend. I'm forgetting her name. Uh, oh, uh, Yaya is the character. Yeah, yeah, Yaya and Carl, and that kind of just examination of like the role of gender in relationships and cultural expectations and all sorts of interesting stuff that I was really into. Mm-hmm. Um, but then it's kind of a hard pivot from that to the rest of the movie. Yeah, 
it's not like a one for one thematic relationship between that first chapter and the next two chapters. Yes. You kind of have to think about it. You kind of have to like draw some kind of like a little bit like angled comparisons to it. Yeah. So I feel like it almost could have been its own movie that would have been really good. Yeah. It's it's sort of like there's a movie about pride and money and status about Carl and Yaya. Yeah. That is the first act and the sort of the second half of the third act. Yeah. And then in between is this very kind of freewheeling, very funny and smartly observed like satire of the mega rich mm-hmm. uh, that involves a lot of vomit and poop. It was so funny. <laughs> Which was less than I thought. The movie was billed to me as the movie where a bunch of rich people throw up on a... Oh, that's fine because it was way more than I expected. It was. <laughs> I mean, I thought it was great, but the person I was watching with, it with was not into it. And it was very funny. Uh, and it's, I got to say, it is kind of it's it kind of tickles the brain when you have like rich people fought, rolling around and vomit while like someone yells out marxist manifesto yeah. over the field. like i don't know what that means but no. it's interesting it really compels me though yeah i know compels me <laughs> <laughs> nice <laughs> bring it back yeah to the knives of verse yeah and it was kind of interesting like it felt like it was also kind of satirizing kind of like shallow people who are like shallowly political rebels yeah because it's kind of like felt like a kind of shallow version of communism and like a shallow version of whatever reverse like anti like being like very dedicated to um capitalism right and i think the movie's interesting when especially when you get to the third act when like all the status is kind of flip which is the most beautiful part of the whole movie it's just that moment when she catches the squid and the octopus and just everything changes right so like it, to me, it's sort of making an interesting point about power, just to basically, you know, mm. like, it's not like, you know, rich people are like some broken thing in their brain. I mean, they do, but like, it's not, <laughs> like, it's not like they were born with it. It's just like when you have power, that's how you act. Yeah. And it's all about, that's kind of what it's all about. And I think mm-hmm. that's why Triangle of Sadness is probably the most minutely observed of the satire. Yeah. Um, and why I think it works really well. So uh, Will, Will Quaid, friend of us. Yeah. Uh, he, he, we were talking a lot when it won the Palm Door, and it's a very rare thing for someone to win two palms yeah. at Con. And, you know, there is a certain level of, like, is it just the trendy thing that, like, did this movie win again because it's like, look how silly, because there's this Eat the Rich moment. Yeah. You know, it's like people who show up to the Met Gala wearing, like, Eat the Rich shit. Mm. Like, like is that is this a situation of that, or are they just respond, really responding to this movie, like, emotionally? Uh, just I just thought I an mean, interesting thing to bring hard, up. Yeah, hard to say. We're in this Eat the Rich moment. Yeah, this is the eat the rich episode. Yeah, <laughs> we are going to eat the rich. Yes, after this. Yeah, hard, I mean, you, I mean, who it's, knows it's, what it's what's in the con voters' mind? It, yeah, it's impossible to say, and it's. Pro- I guess the answer is probably a little bit of both. Yeah, but um, I don't know. I do think it is. It is also kind of rare to see such like finely articulated satire like this. Mm-hmm. That is, there's there's a lot going on. There's like intellectually a lot of ideas in this movie. Yes, which you don't like. I'd say like. Glass Onion is about similar things, but it has fewer, even if you make an argument that like there's a lot going on in it, which you Mm -hmm. totally can. That's a valid opinion. Mm -hmm. It's not like shouting out as many ideas to you like on its face, right? Like, yeah, it's, it's much more on its service, like a, a, like a a romp. It's like an entertaining movie. Yeah. Yeah. It's like an entertaining movie. You can find a lot of interesting stuff about, whereas like Triangle of Sadness has more things that it is trying to impart to you very deliberately. Yeah. Um, although interesting, it's, it's a little bit less of an eat the rich movie and more of a just like, isn't society fucking weird kind of movie? Yeah, it's kind of like what ha- what would happen if you removed all these systems in place that 
allow rich people to remain rich, what happens? Right. Which I guess is like, I mean, the funny thing is like, it can be, it can also be an argument against eating the rich. Right. Yeah. It's more just like, because like you can argue that Abigail Mm -hmm. becomes the exact same as the rich people just in this very small way. And she becomes a monster eventually. And there's nothing inherently virtuous about her being in a, like being not privileged earlier. Yeah. That she always had this thing inside of her. It's just like the tables turned finally. Mm-hmm. So it's you know, like, in a way it's like, it's almost like the richer, like we all have the capability of being monsters like this. Yeah. So it's kind of funny that it's like, you could certainly take the message, eat the rich out of this, but you could also take other messages out of it. Right. And I think that's what I find. That's, that's what I find so effective about it. Is it's willing to do the micro satire of look at all the specific ways in which the rich are dumb and stupid. Yeah. And which they deserve to be ridiculed and which they are monsters. Yeah. While also understanding that this is just, that this is a broader societal issue. Like yeah. This is not how like, it's not like a bunch of aliens called the rich came down from earth and took over. Yeah. It's, you know, Society has set them up with power, and power makes you act in ways. Yeah, and then yeah, and then when 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 there is a power vacuum, somebody will you know uh, like uh, like come up to the throne, and there, there will be somebody there. <laughs> There's oh yeah, exactly. Um, very good movie. I really yeah. enjoyed it. I liked it a lot. Yeah, nominated for best picture and best director, which is very cool. A little surprise and yeah. best screenplay, I imagine. Oh man, it's too bad. It's too bad for me that it's up against everything everywhere at once because I just I want every I like everything everywhere at once more. But in another year, would nice. this would be my favorite movie. Yeah, well, it'll be year. good for you. I think everything everywhere at once is uh, kind of the front runner right now in a lot of ways. I so, hope so. Yeah, yeah. Well, just like it feels like it's the one. It feels like nothing else has taken over. It feels like Top Gun almost had a moment, mm. kind of missed in some way. Top Gun's good. Yeah, I need to see it, but it just feels like it's. I haven't seen it, so I can't, I can't have a huge take. I on liked it. it a lot. I think it's one of those things where, like, it, the first, like, two-thirds of Top Gun is, like, very good. It's, like, cool plane shit, but, it, you know, like, the theme is basically, like, why won't these idiots let Tom Cruise do literally whatever he wants at all times? Yeah, which seems a little little less complex. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, like, very fun. It's, like, really yeah, good. Yeah, that's great. And there's, like, good act characters. And the, but then the last act, the last set piece is so fucking thrilling. Yeah. You were, like, like I was watching it at uh, uh, my in-laws, and they had, like, Good sound system. Now it's just like fucking right to the couch. <laughs> like, Arr! I need to watch it on on my TV. It's loud. Yeah, it's a loud movie. I'm gonna fuck up my relationship <laughs> with my neighbors. No, invite them over to watch. No, I mean, yeah, I could, I could, rep- I could strengthen my relationship with my neighbors. It's gonna be one or the other. My neighbor, I'm not gonna have the same relationship with my neighbors after watching Top Gun. That's how they feel about points. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, sleeping at night. Right. Uh, anyway, so those are some loose thoughts about three different movies <laughs> yeah <laughs> but you know just three different ways of doing satire and three different ways of like trying to get this across and i think i don't know my big take is that class warfare is interesting i think in not in if you do it in basically like fuck all these people and they should all like explode mm-hmm. that is often less interesting than trying to really dig into what, what makes these people right? What makes them tick? Why do they have this power? Yeah, and why do they do these silly things? Mm-hmm. Uh, and those are my thoughts. Those are also my thoughts. <laughs> those are my thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Who's the rich? Eat them if you want. Make sure you cook them. Make sure. You- <laughs> <laughs> I think that's our poll quote right there. It tastes like onions. <laughs> Without that part, <laughs> you push it too far. We don't do poll quotes on no bros. God damn it. <laughs> We can. There's no, no rules. <laughs> There's nothing in the rule book that says you can't <laughs> do poll quotes on a no brow. Nothing that says a dog can't play basketball. Yeah. Um, there, do you think they added that rule to the NBA? I don't. 
I think there's like a, I think there's actually like there's got to be like some sort of precedent for the fact that laws and contracts only apply to humans. Yeah, actually, right, because there's no law that says like a dog can't become president, but like we all. But know. we have we do have animals that become governors and shit. Oh, like mayors, yeah, mayors, yeah. yeah people like elect a dog as mayor, but like when like a town doesn't. Really but dogs need a mayor. can't commit murder. Uh, I mean, if a dog like kills like a like a bird or something, but it's not. Well, it if a dog kills a man, it's not murder. True. Yeah, we, they don't go to jail. They might get no, put I down. Think they kill spite. them. I mean, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, arguably, they get treated worse than if they had murdered. Right. Yes. Um, <laughs> use some Rex and get the fuck out of here. Yeah, how, 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 how do we get here? Uh. <laughs> I, I don't. I don't have any good. Re- I watched The Big Short recently. It's great. Good movie. I'm. I like. Everyone knows this. Yeah. <laughs> it's not. This is new to no one. But I watched The Big Short. And Talk I about it. Ethan. Rich. I watched it multiple times. Yeah. Yeah. Another another good movie about how rich people are a bunch of bastards. But also in a weird way, it gets me really amped up to want to try to exploit some sort of like monetary market to make billions of dollars like it makes me want to be the big short guy but yeah because like they're not the bad guys like they are profiting off of a bad thing that is happening but they could sound the alarm and no one cares although it also got me a little bit amped up to like uh, i would totally like to be one of these like one of these like cdo guys one of the guys who like invented the cdo (laughs) (laughs) and then just like get out before it collapses yeah yeah uh just makes you want to make money man (laughs) My rec is uh, Junji Ito Maniac. Mm. It is um, a Netflix new Netflix series. I've only seen a few episodes, so maybe it, it gets bad. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, we, we're not doing a good job on Rex this week. I love. I like what I've seen so far. Uh, Junji Ito is uh, a manga artist who did things like Uzumaki. Oh, Uzumaki's good. Uh, he did uh, that. You know, very a lot of things have gone kind of viral. The one with all those people find those holes shaped like themselves in the mass side of a mountain. Is that not in Uzumaki? Is that something else? That's something else. Oh. That's like one of his shorts. Yeah, because I've seen that one. That was wild. Yeah, so he does these very weird, very unnerving horror body, shorts. A lot of body horror. Yeah, so uh, Uzumaki is being adapted as an adult swim series that's been in works forever, mm. but uh, Maniac is a... Wasn't there an Uzumaki live-action movie? Uh, maybe. I think there might have been. So the show that I'm trying to recommend to you is... <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's a it's an anthology. It's like Twilight Zone, except each one is an adaptation of one or two of his little shorts. Oh, and interesting. They're all very funny. Some of them don't really work as well. Uh, on screen, just it's different. Some of them are just very slight. It's yeah. just sort of like here's a weird little thing. Some mm-hmm. of the the weird thing is they're very they don't have the Twilight Zone like here's what this is about. Some of them are just like here's just some fucking nightmare fuel for twenty minutes. I mean that's kind of Cabinet of Curiosities a little bit. Yeah. It doesn't really have like the gotcha theme. What what's another author that? Because I feel like Lovecraft is like a good like a natural idea for someone you can have an anthology of. Although he's kind of unadaptable. Well, well, Cabinet of Curiosities through has two of them. Yeah, yeah, and those are maybe my least favorite episodes. So I think Lovecraft remains unadaptable. I mean, every once in a while, there's like people have tried to do the Stephen King. uh, There have been like anthology series for that. What about like Hemingway? uh, Like not like don't do genre. (laughs) Like don't do genre. It's just like serious. Yeah, you just yeah, you just do like the first short short happy life. Like, yeah, like Cabinet of Raymond Carver Curiosities. <laughs> That's shortcuts. Oh, that's the movie Shortcuts. Okay, it's an ad. Shortcuts is a big you know all these different stories intersecting movie with mm-hmm. a huge cast, a lot of different short stories, and it's an adaptation of like seven or eight Raymond Carver short stories. Oh, cool. Yeah, the Criterion edition comes with a, a short story collection of all the short stories. Oh, nice. Yeah, and then was it Everything Must Go is also a Raymond Carver adaptation. Yeah, which is you know. Funny because it's feature like, but yeah, I mean Hemingway, you could do one. 
maybe. Yeah, I mean, so clean, clean, well lighted place. Although, I mean, I don't, that might be the most boring <laughs> episode of TV ever, but I would enjoy it. The genre ones make sense because traditionally anthology series is series are anthology are, are like genre, and there's a lot of genre short story writers, horror and sci fi. Yeah, and then other outside of genre short story writers are often uh, a little bit more artsy fartsy, yeah, a little more abstract, a little less plotty. Yeah, I know. I know they did an all Kittredge movie, uh, mm. which or series. It was like uh, um, I think two two hour episodes on HBO. That it, all Kittredge is a series of short stories. Yeah. What about fantasy? There's some fantasy shorts. Yeah. Uh, mm. Well, it's expensive. Ah, uh, yeah. Yeah. Although so is Black Mirror. That's sci-fi. Well, it's different. You know, like Black. Well, so it, sci-fi is, I guess, easier to do cheaper than fantasy. And the first season of Black Mirror was much cheaper. It was just a guy fucks a pig, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> which was method. Yeah, it was method. And like you know, like the the million credits one with Daniel Kaluuya. All you need is a bunch of exercise bites and funny jumpsuits. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and then yeah, then you get into like they do Star Trek. I guess you could do like low fantasy. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, just like, you know, all set in like villages and huts. Yeah, just peasants. Yeah, just pe- peasants. The show. Oh, pe- peasants. Yeah, it's like, oh, it's like friends. Write that down. Write that down. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a sitcom with peasants. And then every once in a while, a knight just comes in and fucks up all their <laughs> shit. Yeah, it's like someone comes in and like, you're going, you're conscripted against the French. Like, I thought we were French. Like, not anymore. <laughs> now you're Germanic. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the pits are coming. <laughs> this is a good idea. Let's do this. Let's do peasants. I like it. Yeah. But with an exclamation point. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Cooper, what do the people do at home? Right. Unless you want to keep doing peasants. I really do, but I do also want to go. <laughs> no, we've been here a long time. All right. Rate, review, subscribe. Follow us on TikTok. Follow us on Instagram. HBLB podcast for both. Uh, Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening, and goodbye forever. Bye forever.